Praise God. Well, folks, we are still continuing on this series that we started uh, two months ago called Greater Grace, Walking in God's Divine Grace and Favor. So go ahead and turn to our master text in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. That'll be our master text today, Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And while you're turning there, I just want to say that you might remember that last week I ended my teaching by saying that your humility is going to get tested. Your humility is going to get tested. And one of the ways that it gets tested that we talked about last week is how you respond to the authority, the people in authority, that God has put you under. So that's what we talked about last week. Today we're going to talk about yet another way that God tests us, uh, tests our humility, that your humility will be tested in various situations. And um, the title of today's teaching is The Money Test, so you probably know already where I'm going with this. Um, So let's go ahead and uh, get to our master text, Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 8. Let's stand and honor the reading of the word. We'd like to show great honor to the word of God around here. Praise the Lord. I think I'm going to back up. What's my verse say? It says, yeah, 7. Yeah, let's back up to verse 7. Okay. Here we go. Verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied... Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so concerns his, uh, his covenant, confirms his covenant rather, so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And all God's people say, Amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. In this text that we just read, God was telling the people of Israel, you're about to come into prosperity like you've never known. And it's going to test your character. That's what he was saying. So don't get prideful. And don't forget God and, and, and let your prosperity uh, puff you up with uh, a sense of your own self-sufficiency, is what he was saying. But always rely on God for everything. And remember that he is the one that brought you into this place of abundance. Now, some of you might be tempted to uh, tune me out right now because you may be thinking to yourself, well, I don't have a whole lot of prosperity to be tested by. Um, well, 
Folks, listen, let me give you some perspective on that. Uh, even the person in the room with the smallest income right now is still rich in comparison to much of the world. Did you know that? In fact, I really want to drive that point home right now before we go any further. And I want to bring up our guest, um, Rutendo is her name. You're going to help, have to help me with your last name here in a moment. Uh, but uh, Rutendo is from Zimbabwe, and um, I got connected with her through Anita Gauk, and once talking to Rutendo, um, it just uh, dawned on me that I should probably have her come and give us some perspective on her culture and what she came out of to provide some perspective for this particular teaching today. So I'm going to have her come up for just a few minutes here and uh, tell us a little bit about herself and the culture that she came out of. So Rutendo, come on up, please, and introduce yourself and uh, take it from here for the next few minutes. Yes. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Andy. My salutations to the fivefold ministers here present, the leadership, and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. My name is Rutendo Samantha Taoneji Nazutwiri, born and raised in Zimbabwe, Africa. Um, my story is a very unique one, but I think that God brought me to this country uh, to fulfill a purpose. The late Dr. Miles Monroe said, uh, the greatest, greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. So I'd like to thank you, Pastor Andy, for giving me this opportunity to, um, to give a testimony, to give this precious testimony. So uh, Zimbabwe has faced a lot of um, hardship over the years. Zimbabwe was once called the breadbasket of Africa, but soon changed because our leader back then uh, changed to be a dictator. So uh, the economy fell and people started suffering. And the inflation rate at one point, 2008, uh, according to um, the BBC, was 79.6 billion percent month on month. And then our Zimbabwean notes ranged from $10 to $100 billion note. And by the way, we hold the Guinness record for the highest denomination banknote. That $100 billion only bought like two loaves of bread and three eggs. Mm. So you can just imagine. So now... Um, when my mother surveyed the situation, she decided to take a bold step. This is a woman who had worked in, in a reputable bank for over two decades. And I remember her sitting us down and telling us that she had to leave the country because of the political instability and the economic hardship. Um, all we knew because we were young was one day we're going to be in a better country with more opportunities. So my mother left Zimbabwe and she left us behind and the youngest at that time was only three years old. And we were separated from our mom for like 10 years. And it was very hard. Our grandparents uh, well like our parents because they, they were the ones who were taking care of us, making sure that we had food to eat. Um, the Zimbabwean dollar 
became useless and very soon the economy became dollarized. So you can imagine uh, a country with more than 90% of its citizens not working, now struggling to make ends meet. And during that time, our mother was just still settling down, so our grandparents were a huge support. Um, the following years, I still remember when I was 16 years old, my uh, grand grandfather and grandmother gave me a Bible. And I remember sitting and thinking that, why have they given me a Bible? I want a dress, I want a pretty dress, I want a cake or something, but they gave me a Bible. At that time, I did not understand why they had given me a Bible, and so I just threw it on my bed and I, I didn't read it at all. But then because of the situation in my country, uh, one day I opened the Bible and then within no time I found myself watching a program on the God Channel and uh, during a rain and Bonke crusade I gave my life to Christ. And before very long my siblings and I also gave our lives to Christ. Now, the situation in Zimbabwe was that there was no running water, the water was rationed. So you can imagine, uh, right now, the current situation is that people can go without running water for two to five days. Mm. And uh, in uh, the, the, those areas that are like uh, of uh, low status, if I may say, people will go to a local community borehole to buy a bucket of water. Electricity, when we're still there, there were power cuts for more than 12 hours a day. So I remember my siblings and I waking up to no power, we're home. You can imagine how boring that was and, uh, you know, the, the, the not having food at all. So we would make sure that the food that we had, like maybe uh, the dinner time and then lunch time would really eat and make sure that would be full. So um, the, the, the health system also went down. Right now, because there's no running water, you can imagine how the maternity wards look like. There are no painkillers in the hospitals. You cannot get treated if you do not pay cash front. And this is US dollars. So how can people have access to US dollars when the people are not employed? So the situation in the country is very bad. But anyway, um, I guess the hardship that we encountered enabled my siblings and I to seek Jesus more. So we found ourselves going to mountains for prayer, all night prayers. We found ourselves meditating on the word of God and even evangelizing. We got baptized and we got very strong in Christ. So that hardship, it uh, it pushed us to seek God and we found God even in those difficult times. Our mother, our grandmother passed away, which was very difficult for us because uh, would call her, even if you, we, one of us would have a headache, grandma have a headache and she was, like I said, uh, like our mother and then she passed away. Couple of months later, my uncles, my mother's brother also passed away. And then my grandfather also passed away. So our biggest support system was all gone. But I thank the Lord because uh, even though the situation in Zimbabwe uh, was not 
good, our strength still, God gave us that hope that our mother was fighting for us and that one day things would still be okay. And as Pastor Andy has already um, given us the main scripture for today from Deuteronomy 8, I believe that this is very, very um, God really ordained this because I was thinking from verse 8 when I read from verse 4 your garments do not wear out on you nor did your foot swell this 40 years even though we're in that wilderness we managed to get through and God brought us into this land flowing with milk and honey which is the United States of America so to conclude I'd like to say you are all very blessed to be American. There's so many people out there in the world who'd wish to be in your position right now. You can get into your car and drive to a Taco Bell if you wish. You can go to any restaurant. There's someone right now in Africa who does not even have a dollar in their pocket. A lot of people in my country right now have resorted to crime and are now getting involved in money rituals because they're desperate they don't have money the richer are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer so I just want to tell you today that we should not take um the, the blessings God has given us for granted, the success that you have, that food that you have on your table, the running water, the electricity. Sometimes you get so accustomed to it that you forget that there's someone in the world right now who might not have all that you have. So um, I again, I say thank you, Pastor Andy, and I hope that this is a word that will help us to stay humble and to be thankful in all situations and to get rid of any complaining that we may have in our hearts. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, so with that testimony in mind, hopefully we've established that all of us in this room are already rich according to global standards. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So uh, with that foundation laid, and thank you, Rotendo, with that foundation laid, now we're ready to proceed to the rest of the teaching. So I want to give you a couple of key concepts today as we kick this off. And the first one is in the form of a question. Uh, what does having money or power do to your sense of humility or pride? What does having money or power do to your sense of humility or pride? You can write that down in your bulletin. And then the second key concept is, as I've already mentioned, you will be tested by success. You will be tested by success. I want to give you an example of that. Let's say just as a way of example that there's a man who's a parking lot attendant at a large church and, and the leadership notices how well this man does his job, how faithful he is, uh, how friendly he is to everyone, and he's a person of excellence even in that small role. So they approach him and they say, you know, we'd like to promote you to parking lot captain and have you lead all of the other parking lot attendants. So he accepts that, and the next Sunday he comes in all decked out with a shiny new orange vest and a, a great big uh, flashlight that looks like a lightsaber in a Star Wars movie. And he starts bossing around all of the other parking lot attendants in a very forceful and rude way. 
Well, what happened? He got tested by success, even though it was a small level, but he got tested by success and he failed. You've heard that saying, I think, give somebody an inch and they take a mile. He got tested by success and failed. So here's my point. Any level of success, whether it's small or great, is going to test your character. Whether it's a promotion in position of some sort or promotion financially or even promotion in the ministry, that promotion is going to test your character. And I want to give you an example of that in the Bible with the tale of two kings. And the kings that I want to compare today is King Saul and King David on this point. So a little bit of characteristics of both. You know, King Saul was made king without a process of character development ahead of time. Did you realize that about Saul? He was made king without a process of character development ahead of time, whereas King David, uh, well, prior to him becoming king, walked through many trials and tribulations prior to becoming made king king. And that tested his character and tested his mettle, if you will. Prepared him for what was up ahead. Second characteristic about King Saul is that he was quite insecure. If you read the story of King Saul, very clearly insecure. Whereas David had great faith in God. He had great faith in God, didn't he? And then likewise, King Saul that success plus his insecurity poisoned him and led to his, his ultimate downfall. Whereas King David, on the other hand, used his blessing, used his success, used his position and influence to honor God and bless the people. So two very stark differences between the two, uh, the two kings there. So I want to make this point about that. You know, if your heart isn't right, folks. Success and money can ruin you. But money and success are a blessing when a person's heart is truly consecrated to God. See, money and success in and of themselves are not evil. All right? It's what you do with the money and success and your attitude toward them that's the issue. For example, a humble person you know, knows how to handle money and success and won't let those things go to their head, but rather uses them to be a blessing to others. But having money and success, get this, will swell the pride of an already prideful person. I want to say that again. Having great amounts of money and success will swell the pride of an already prideful person. And people like that find it very difficult serving God with their whole hearts, if at all. And that's how the story of the rich young ruler, the point that it makes, uh, he found it very difficult to serve God under those circumstances as well. You probably read that story out of Matthew chapter 19, but this, this uh, rich young man comes to Jesus and says, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And so he gives them some commandments, and the man says, well, I've kept all these things from my birth. And Jesus said, but one thing you lack, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then come and follow me. Well, the scriptures say that he went away sad because he had great possessions. 
So why did the rich young man turn down Jesus' offer to be his disciple? Well, it was because his money meant more to him than anything else, and Jesus was trying to get him to recognize that, that in his case, his money was an idol. Jesus was trying to get him to recognize that. See, his love of stuff and his love of status was his downfall because his pride would not allow him to turn loose of those things in order to follow Christ. Here's a key concept right here for you. Pride loves the status of material possessions. Again, nothing wrong with having material possessions, but pride loves the status of material possessions. Again, nothing wrong with having nice things and having even a lot of money, but the prideful person, a person who gets his self-worth from status likes to show off his or her success. That's what we're getting at. You know, I have a late uncle who was a millionaire, but you would never know that by just talking to him or the way he carried himself or by observing his possessions. He just looked like a regular guy. He had a very modest house um, in comparison to his income anyway. It was a nice house, but it wasn't a mansion or anything. It was just a a medium-sized ranch-style house. Um, And he drove a nice car, but it wasn't a Jaguar or anything. Uh, He was just a very modest man, and he was very happy to be a blessing to uh, whoever he could. And, by the way, I think that it's no coincidence that my uncle was also one of the happiest people that I've ever met. You see, I believe that that act of voluntarily humbling himself is closely tied to our levels of joy and peace. I want to say that again. The act of voluntarily humbling oneself is closely tied to our levels of joy and peace. I mean, gosh, how many people do we know who flaunt their success, but they're miserable? I mean, it's, it's rampant. It goes on all the time. See, pride makes you miserable, but humility will bring peace into your life. But folks, listen, you have to resist the temptation of being a show-off on the front end in order to enjoy the blessing and peace of God on the back end. Does that make sense? See, it's all sowing and reaping, isn't it? Praise God. Well, I want to talk to you today about the great delusion for a few minutes. And that's the delusion that most people live under because they are worldly in their thinking. They're worldly in their thinking. And when you're worldly in your thinking, it tends to cause you to live in a delusion. Let me show you what I mean. From 1 John 2.16... It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, let me define these terms in in that passage. Lust of the flesh has to do with sexual lust. Lust of the eyes has more to do with materialism or greed or the lust for things. And the pride of life has to do with status, your reputation, how you look to other people. And folks, listen, many people, even in the church, fall for these things because we're swimming in it every day in our culture. And it's difficult to recognize that when you're being influenced by it. If uh, you're not keeping yourself filled with the Word of God and, and cultivating His presence in your life. Amen? So it's nearly impossible not to be influenced by these things if you're keeping a, a 
constant steady stream of the world's philosophies pumped into your heart every day through Hollywood, the media, talk shows, the world's music, etc. See, if you turn off the flow of those things and turn on the flow of godly things into your life, you know what happens? You get awakened to the delusion. You start to see through a different lens now. To use a movie term, you get red-pilled. Yeah? The late singer Keith Green wrote a song called Your Love Broke Through where he talks about being awakened from that delusion. And the, the chorus of that song says, Like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. I mean, how many of you can look back on your old life and say to yourself, how did I ever think that back then? Right? Well, what happened to you? Well, the Holy Spirit came into your life and you began to see things through the light of His truth, you see, rather than the world's philosophies. But listen, if we allow ourselves, even as Christians, if we allow ourselves to continue to be influenced by the world's philosophies, it can choke the word and make it unfruitful in your life. And that's what Jesus was addressing in Matthew chapter 13 uh, when he was uh, explaining to the disciples the parable of the seed. And He said this in verse 22, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, what's it talking about here when it talks about the deceitfulness of wealth? Well, folks, money in and of itself is not deceitful. It's just just physical dollars and cents. Money in and of itself is not deceitful. It's our attitude toward it. It means how people relate to money. As a matter of fact, that word deceitful, that's translated uh, from the Greek, uh, the Greek word there is apate, and it means deception, or there's that word again, delusion. Apate means deception or delusion. So that means how people relate to money. It ties back in to the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. See, if you're not careful, folks, money and possessions can deceive you. you got to lean in on this one. Money and possessions, if you're not careful, can deceive you into believing that you're better than you really are. Did you know that? That's the truth right there. Money and possessions, if you're not careful, if you don't guard your heart can deceive you into believing that you're better than you really are. If anything, folks, money and possessions ought to make us even more sober than ever, knowing how easily we can be led astray. You know, Charles Spurgeon once said, the more we have, the lower we ought to lie. He also said that we can never truly glorify God in our lives until we allow God to kill glorying in ourselves. i got to say that again. He said we can never truly glorify God in our lives until we allow God to kill glorying in ourselves.
Praise God. And wealth tends to do that for those who are not diligent, okay? Because it can cause us, if we're not careful, to glory in ourselves, which is why we started out reading the master text that we read from Deuteronomy chapter 8, because God was warning the people of Israel about this tendency of the human heart. God said, you're about to come into wealth. Notice that God didn't condemn the wealth, but he was warning them. You're about to come into wealth, and when you do, don't forget the Lord your God who gave you these things. Don't say... My power and the strength of my hands have made this wealth for me. Don't ever do that. Always remember where you came from. And that's why I wanted you to hear Rutendo's testimony today, because by offering that testimony, she's remembering where she came from. Praise God. So always remember what God brought you out of, ladies and gentlemen. Always acknowledge the blessing of God upon your life and never fail to humble yourself before him and give him honor for how he's provided for you. And you know what? When we do that, we set ourselves up for even greater blessing and greater promotion in God's kingdom. Praise God. But listen, if we don't do that, and rather allow the goodness that God has lavished upon us to cause our hearts to become cold and lazy about the things of God, folks, listen, it can literally shipwreck our faith. And I know people personally that this has happened to. Oh, they were diligent when, when they were believing God to bless them. But as soon as God did bless them, their hearts grew cold and they got off course and got entrapped into things that held them fast and caused them to go off in a completely different direction. Their hearts grew cold and they got off course and allowed themselves to get into things that entrapped them. Folks, listen. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm. So how do we avoid the trap then of being entangled by the pride of life and the lust of the eyes? Well, first of all, we need to understand the weakness of the flesh in this regard and guard against becoming cold spiritually. Wouldn't you agree? See, the Bible says, stir yourself up in your most holy faith. You have to do it. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith. That's why I'm constantly uh, harping on read your Bible every day. Be in prayer every day. Come to church as often as you can because all those things stir yourself up in your most holy faith. Hang out with people who encourage you in the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. But let me give you some other principles here that will help as well along these lines how we keep ourselves from being entrapped by the uh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. How we avoid the trap. Well, first of all, we must accept that our blessings are not for us alone. But listen, folks, we are to be financiers of the kingdom of God. We are to be financiers of the kingdom of God. That's part of what he has in mind for the blessings that he's given us. And likewise, how you use your money has a lot to do with your level of humility and thus the level of blessing that you walk in. 
That's why Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 16 that if you're not faithful in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? Right? So what are some of the ways then that we can show ourselves faithful with worldly wealth? Well, it starts by knowing who gave those things to you and then honoring God with it. Well, what are some of the ways that we honor God with our wealth? Well, tithing is one of the very first principles. I think it's good that you manage your money and save and, and be wise in your spending. Uh, that's a biblical principle, too. But I want to talk about tithing for just a moment. Um, tithing is that 10% off the top that you give to the Lord as an offering back to him for how he's provided for you. So tithing, then, is an act of humility. Why is tithing an act of humility? Because it acknowledges that all I have comes from God, and I'm returning the portion that he says belongs to him. He says the tithe is holy, it belongs to me. Okay? So Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, not part of it, not every once in a while, but bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's one of the ways that we humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, you are my provider. I'm not my provider. Everything I have comes from you. So I'm happy to give back to you a portion of what you've given to me. Praise God. Uh, and I'm not going to focus on these financial principles in depth today because I've talked about this a lot in our church. And this is just kind of a little reintroduction to it. Just some ways that we can... Um, prevent being entrapped by money and success. And God has these giving principles in place for that very purpose. So you don't become self-sufficient. So you realize that you're, the money that God has given you is there for a purpose, not just for your blessing, but for the blessing of other people, so that God can use you as a channel of blessing to other people. That's when we pick up on our next principle, generosity to the poor. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So tithing, generosity to the poor, and also the funding of the gospel. You find a gospel work that's doing, I mean, uh, Rutendo mentioned Reinhard Bonnke. Uh, he's with the Lord now, but Reinhard Bonnke was a tremendous, he was like considered the Billy Graham of, of, uh, of Africa. He won millions of souls to the Lord. So, so gospel works like that, they need, they need financial support. So over and above your tithe, over and above giving to the poor, funding certain gospel works is important as well. Um, here's another one. Uh, modesty. Now, why is modesty something that uh, I'm bringing up as it relates to getting free from um, being entrapped by money and success, because one of the things that, that money and success tends to do to people is that it causes them to be ostentatious. Okay, let me read this, this scripture here, and then I'll explain what I mean by that. First Peter 3, verses 3 and 4 says this, your beauty, this is directed to women now, uh, but it has an application to men. I'll talk about that in a moment. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair or gold jewelry or fine clothes, but from the inner disposition of your heart the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in God's sight. Now, once again, 
This is written to women, specifically in this context, uh, in this verse, but it definitely applies to men as well, because part of the pride of life, folks, is uh, displaying one's success through expensive and gaudy jewelry and, and ultra-flashy clothes. Okay, now the Bible doesn't forbid looking nice and well-kept. Okay, I want to qualify that. I'm all for that. But there is a line where it can cross over into being ostentatious. If you're not familiar with that term, I'm going to teach you a new word this morning. Ostentatious means designed to attract notice, a pretentious display. In other words, everyone, look at me. That's what ostentatious means. Okay, designed to attract notice. And we can do that with material possessions. We can do that with our success and all of a sudden we begin presenting ourselves in a very ostentatious and pretentious way. But on a side note, I want to take a little side journey and address something here related to modesty that doesn't necessarily have to do with the money and success part, but it certainly does have to do with uh, the humility and pride aspect of our teaching today. So I want to talk to you ladies here for just a moment and say, ladies, um, I don't think that I have to remind you that men are stimulated visually. That's our weakness. Men are stimulated visually. And you can very easily make a man stumble by what you wear. And I'm talking about how tight it is, how low it is, how short it is, etc. Uh, please be sensitive to those things, ladies, because Jesus said, listen, you got to zone in on this right here. Jesus said that in this world, temptation will come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Woe to the person through whom those temptations come. Woe to the person who causes another person to stumble like that knowingly, because a person who does that will bring themselves under judgment, according to Jesus. And look, at the risk of getting a little too prickly right now, but I just want to identify one problem area that I see out there in the culture. You know, I know a lot of women love to wear these yoga pants that are so comfy, okay? But ladies, please, do you really want to leave so little to the imagination? Really, I'm just being honest with you right now. See, a godly woman doesn't want a man gawking at her body in a lustful way. <laughs> are, are, you, are you here? Are you with me? A, a godly woman doesn't want a man gawking at her body in a lustful way. And folks, listen, a godly woman also doesn't want to cause her brother in Christ to stumble. You think about other people, right? So as warm weather is now upon us again, um, ladies, um, can I ask you to please be sensitive to those things because uh, wanting to attract the attention of men in such a way is part of the pride of life. All right. You still love me? Okay. All right. So, okay, let's transition here to our last concept right now. And our last concept has to do with favoritism. Let's ask another question on this concept. Does the financial status of people influence the way you relate to them? If it does, you may have a problem along these lines. Let's read a little bit of a lengthier passage here out of James chapter 2. 
verses 2 through 9. Let's uh, focus in on what this says. And I love James, by the way. He was just a no-nonsense, right-between-the-eyes kind of guy, the way he wrote, that never pulled any punches. Let's see what he wrote. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. See that ostentatious presentation of oneself. That's what it's referring to. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you lavish attention on the man in the fine clothes and say, here is a seat of honor, but say to the poor man, you must stand or sit at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the noble name by which you have been called? If you really fulfill the royal law stated in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So how do you respond to someone who comes in with shabby clothes versus someone who's dressed to the nines. We've had people come in the street. I mean, we're downtown Columbus, and we've had people come in off the street who are addicts, who live on the street, who are smelly, who have filthy clothes. And I was very pleased. Uh, we, we actually had an outreach a couple of years ago in downtown Columbus in a very bad part of town. And uh, we invited several people from that part of town to come to church, and a few of them did. And I'm telling you, some of them, you could smell them 10 feet away. It's like they hadn't had a bath in, in two weeks. Their, their clothes were literally filthy. You're like, how, how, do you, how do you live like that? But this is the way that some people are living. Okay? And I was very pleased to see many of you in the congregation welcome those people in, even though sitting next to them had, had to be offensive to the old factory nerves your sense of smell. I realized that because I, I went through that too, but just sat ne next down to them, loved on them, hugged them, put your hands on them, love on them. That's what Jesus would have done. Okay? Hallelujah. Amen. So we need to really check our hearts in that regard. How do you treat somebody who you know is very well off financially compared to somebody who lives on the street? We need to check our hearts along those lines, and not show favoritism, because if we do, that, that shows that our hearts are not right along these lines. All right, I'm coming down home stretch here. Um, the opposite extreme of the pride of life is I'm more humble because I'm poor, and I want to address that too before we close, um, and provide some clarity on this topic and show you how sneaky that pride can be. Now, on the screen there, is the label of a 45 record. Now, those of you who are 40 years old and younger may not even know what a 45 record is. Okay, a 45 uh, was a, a little disc that you play on your record player with one song on each side. Okay, so you're getting cultured here today. Okay, and uh, I found this 45 record that you see on the screen there, uh, by a uh, song by Paul Kelly called Poor But Proud. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think the title of that song is a nice little illustration of how pride can exist in the heart of any person, regardless of your financial status. Okay? So do you see how sneaky pride is? See, whether you're rich or poor, pride can cruise beneath the surface unnoticed. See, we can, we can actually be proud of how humble we are. Oh, the condition of the human heart. You know, Paul recognized that condition of the human heart when he wrote in Romans 7, What a wretched man that I am who will save me from this body of death. See, he recognized the total dominance that sin has on the minds of mankind. But he goes on to write that the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So listen, folks, don't let religious tradition dupe you into believing that you're humble just because you have a modest income. Folks, listen, I know people, met lots of them, who have very low incomes or modest incomes, but gigantic egos. <laughs> Yet I've met very wealthy people who are very humble in the way that they present themselves. So it goes both ways. It absolutely goes both ways. So don't let pride cruise beneath the surface like that. You know, an enemy submarine can cruise beneath the surface of the water unnoticed until it's detected by sonar. And folks, pride is like that enemy submarine. And our sonar is the Word of God and the guidance of the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Spirit. That's our sonar. Yeah. The Bible and the guidance of the, the Holy Spirit. So identify that pride and, and then torpedo it and don't let it cruise beneath the surface of your life like that. Kill it. Because if you do, you'll live in a greater realm of the grace and favor of God. Remember, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I want to leave you with a, a quote by C.S. Lewis who said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. In other words, you don't have to think of yourself as a worm or anything in order to be humble. Folks, you're a child of God. You're a king and a priest, the Bible says. So don't think less of yourself in that regard, you're a child of God. But if we can just begin thinking of ourselves less and other people more, we're on our way to true humility. Praise God. Remember, your humility is going to get tested. But don't, you don't have to think less of yourself. Just remember, I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives within me. When I'm tempted, the Lord's right there to help me. No temptation has seized me except what's common to man, and God will provide a way out so that I can stand up under it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. All right? So when that, that temptation comes for you to exalt yourself because of a level of promotion or a, a raise, whatever the case may be, just keep yourself humble. Remember where it came from. Give God the glory, and whatever promotion that you have, whether it be money or position, use it to be a blessing to others. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand and pray with me, please.
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.